before i get started today this podcast is on spotify it is on apple Podcasts. it is on youtube rate it like it help it grow it has been fun this playoffs last night's playoff game was not fun um <laughs> i sound like i played <laughs> i was about to go into the player mode like i'm at a <laughs> Like, I'm at the press conference after a devastating loss. Uh, no, this is the morning after. It's the morning after Game 5 in Boston. And I'll tell you right now, uh, I, I was dead serious on Twitter. I'm actually going to Milwaukee for Game 6. Yeah, it, It's not enough to sit around and wait for Game 6 to happen just to watch it on stream. That, that's not enough. I, I need to be there. I need to, I need to breathe the Milwaukee air. I need to experience the atmosphere. I, I have to be there. There's multiple series. I'm going to talk about everything like I normally do because everything right now is 3-2. Oh, good golly. I did not even realize that looking at the bracket. Uh, Phoenix 3-2, Golden State 3-2, uh, Miami. Yeah, everything is 3-2. Yeah, this playoffs have just been hell. Um, so I'm going to talk about all the series, but go ahead and adjust the elephant in the room. I have not done a pod since 2-2, basically, because these series have been moving very weird, just all over the place. So I figured I'd just kind of wait until things could settle a bit. I was assuming Golden State and Memphis would be done by now with the uh, the blowout and all the controversy with Jaws' injury, then hearing he's out for the playoffs. I was kind of thinking, okay, I'll at least be able to wrap one up. But no, here we are. And so uh, we just didn't get a break. It is what it is. This podcast may or may not get to breathe. But yeah, just go ahead and start with Milwaukee and Boston. This I have a video coming out today. Uh, if you are hip to the NBA Twitter meme of the Dom curse, well, it, it's, today's video might actually be proof. And if you were in the watch party, then I guess you have solid proof now. This series was 2-0. Sorry, no, this series was 1-1 when I last spoke about it. And it's been as competitive as I said it was going to be. The only blowout had been game two. That's when Jalen Brown turned into Michael Jordan and Milwaukee just kind of never recovered. Everything else has man, this series. First of all, this series has actually just been the most stressful experience, not even because of how close the games are, but because of how I've had to experience it and not just how close the games are, how they're taking place. The, the whole thing. Game three was on was the day before Mother's Day. And so I was in the hotel room watching it. Dinner was at six. And so I had to get downstairs as the fourth quarter was ending. And I'm watching it on my phone's 5G, trying to you know catch bits and pieces of the ending, trying to be social uh, and trying to watch the end of the game at the same time. Um, by the point that they were at the free throw line and the whole tipping thing with Al Horford happened, I was already at the dinner table and I couldn't even react appropriately. I couldn't I couldn't. I couldn't lash out. I couldn't do any of it. I had to sit there and just just accept it. <laughs> that was game three. Game four, uh, right? I, I didn't even do a watch party for that one because that day my uh, I got a call. My grandpa was in the hospital, so had to go down there. Uh, he's he's OK for now. Uh, so thank, thanks for all the people who had like, you know, sent prayers and whatever, because I didn't really say what I was going for. And so I left. Uh, I left at night. And I had to listen to part of game four, like the end of game four on the radio, which, by the way, I don't recommend. Not because it's not good. They're really good. The radio broadcasts, they paint a picture of what's happening in the game so vividly. You can actually imagine the frames in your head. They are really good at it. But also in an important playoff game, you don't want to be 
listening to it on the radio it's too intense it encourages it encourages you to speed which i absolutely did not do but it just it, it's it's way too emotional i would rather just not see the game and wait till i get back i got back at the end as al horford was going off so that was cool game five we watched on stream that was we're back for the watch party and we were literally the celtics were in control of that game the entire game and the chat and i and, and kobe who's always on the streams we were talking about like heartbreaking losses 2016 game 7 2013 game 6 for this first we were just talking about all types of heartbreaking losses because somebody in the chat asked if you ever had i ever cried <laughs> over an nba game which i had not and that record still stands but we, we would just happen to be having that conversation and uh you know whatever happens happens they don't win this series like I'll never recover. I will never recover. That loss is up there with 2012 game six. It's obviously not as a matter of fact, I, I don't know where I rank it with 2010 game seven because low key. I still rewatch 2010 pieces of 2010 game seven. I, I never actually got over that, so I can't say it's as bad as that one, but it's up there. It's in top three of all time losses Um, this series overall just it's like i said when we left when i left it at 1-1 said it was going to be a chess match um there's obviously been more injury since then robert williams has been out and Giannis has been unleashed so during the first two games he hadn't really gotten off yet and one of the pieces that i left with was saying if the celtics game plan didn't change we, it would probably you probably not see Giannis have the type of games that he's had um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily changed. The Celtics could definitely clean up some things on defense, but also trying to you know, have Grant Williams and Al Horford on him all game at some point. <laughs> like that's all I have to say, right? At some point, um, in the in the first game or so, Robert Williams was you know, contesting, getting great contests. He gave us different options. Now there's plays like specifically in Game Five at a point where I thought the Celtics could have pulled away. They just kind of let. I don't know if I don't know if you use the word let in in relation to Giannis. I won't say they let him go one on one, but the help just wasn't there. The help wouldn't be there. He would just get past Horford, um, get past whoever was guarding him, just beat one person to the rim, which is what I said would probably happen. I just didn't think it was going to end up happening this consistently. I didn't think it was going to be over and over again, and it has been. What has he got now? He, he's got two forty point games in this series, right? So he's getting to the things that that he wants pretty much at will by the way not bringing up i wasn't bringing up robert williams as as an excuse chris middleton is out i'm aware so both teams are dinged it is what it is uh but yeah Giannis has had that's one of the things that's definitely aided in Giannis being unleashed and i have to give him his props because no matter how poorly he shot the three he has still shown a willingness and sometimes over willingness to take it. I think there's points at the game where he'll take a three and it just blesses the other team. Um, in this case, it's blessed Boston in times that he's tried to uh, uh, make the defense pay. And the one time he made the defense pay last night was at the end of the game to bring it to within three. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I was so happy. I was like, oh, let him shoot it. Let him shoot it. That's that's part of the whole curse thing. You'll see it in the main channel video if you haven't already um and he shot it and it, that's you know what you just have to you do live with that still all jokes aside you do live with that but i i, I just gotta i mean the series is still going on so i can't be giving this man this many props yet but yeah to still take that shot knowing the defense wants you to take it and knowing that you know how much of this game depends on you it's that's just Giannis, man that is just Giannis for you get an incredibly uh important shot on top of everything else he was doing in that game 
Giannis is Giannis, bro. So that's happened. They've been able to withstand some of Drew Holiday's worst plays and some of his worst shooting throughout the series. And then yeah, that'll probably never be remembered because of what he didn't get five. It'll probably just never be remembered. The snatch block. Matter of fact, the two defensive stops at the end of the game. So I guess I could talk about that. I see the Internet has picked who to uh, pounce on for this loss, specifically Celtics fans. I, I saw a lot of people unhappy with Marcus Smart. And there's no way to be unhappy with him for taking the layup that he took. For he had pretty much beaten Pat Connaughton. That was just an incredible defensive play by Drew Holiday. That's that's what that was. Um, so not mad at him for that. Into the game, driving down half court, Jason Tatum was wide open. I wish he would have looked up. I guess that's because I, I guess he was about to just fling it, and Tatum was wide open. He no one got lucky. He probably wouldn't have made it, but yeah, he was wide open. I think uh, Wesley Matthews fell on the other side of the court or ran into somebody, and so Tatum. Yeah, had a had a great look and never actually got the ball. So that happened. And what's particularly crushing about game five, because all of these games have been to a degree, just could go either way. The last three games, uh, game three came. You know, Boston went on a run at the end and it came down to um, the buzzer. Uh, they had the Bucks had been in control of that game the entire time, so it was good for them not to lose that because then they could have easily went down three one. Losing those type of games is crushing. Game four happened. Obviously, you get the Al Horford game after Giannis dunks on him, which I did not know Al Horford had an R eight bet button, so that's nice to know because after he got dunked on, he took that personally and he went into he went into ultra instinct mode. I didn't know he had it. I didn't know he had it in him. So Al Horford has been awesome. This whole playoffs, Al Horford has been awesome. You just got to give that man his his props. And I hate 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 that this it, what he's done really might get wasted in a six game series. Uh, there's still the series is still going, but. Everything he's done really might just just fall away to time because he has been magnificent. Um, in game four, I thought that Milwaukee was just saying, you know what, we'll live with Al Horford winning a game. And he did, because if you notice, a lot of those shots are created by blitzes on Jason Tatum or helping on Jason Tatum, just sending two to him, uh, trying to force him to have bad games since he had a terrible game three. When Jason Tatum is bad, he is very bad. And so if as long as you can keep him, if you can keep him at bay, you can really you can really put it in what the Celtics want to do. So Al Horford really stepped up, knocked down his shots and it's been everything for him. Three point shot, short roll, little flip shots in the mid range area. And that's just on that's just what he's doing on offense, not defense. I mean, he's doing his best against Giannis. Obviously, it's better if he's in a hope role. But yeah, um, yeah, he's doing his best. So in game five. It's not just that they lost. It's how they lost. Because every, since every game has been competitive, you can kind of just say, hey, you know what? All right. Every game has been this way. The next game or games will probably be that way if you take emotion out of it. But they, I man, this is it's going to test the it's going to test the might of this team. It's going to test the will of this team because to be in control of the game the way they were last night and to have the momentum. Uh, Tatum didn't start great, but he ended up, you know, it, it balanced out in the end with some of the shots that he was hitting. Uh, you were getting the production that I thought you needed from other guys, and then it just started to slowly break down to where Milwaukee could hang around. You know, complaining to the refs, um, obviously not being able to secure certain rebounds. It's just slow, slow, very slowly, but surely you could see it happening. All that needed to follow was Milwaukee to make some shots because Giannis is going to get 
at this point with Robert Williams where he is, um, well, gone. Robert Williams out. Uh, Giannis is is pretty much able to get what he wants in the paint. And all you needed was a shooting night or a shooting quarter from some people. So I started with Pat Connaughton, then Drew Holiday hit. All of a sudden, it's a, what is that? A 12 point lead is cut to six. And then from there, it's just basketball. It is game five. That's where series sometimes are won. You're on your home floor with a team you have that has been extremely difficult for you to beat. To lose that game basically had literally have it slipped through your hands so the rebound that is what i was afraid of the rebound is what i was extremely afraid of you had Giannis at the free throw line to tie and once again watch the main channel video it has my live reaction to that game i knew he was gonna miss one i was i was 90 sure he was gonna miss one but i wanted him to miss the first one so badly because i figured something stupid was gonna happen with that rebound i just thought something stupid was gonna happen like, the, this is just way too important of a game for Milwaukee. If they miss the rebound and they just have to get one, I think they can do it. Giannis missed the second. It literally slipped out of Marcus Martin because he and Jalen Brown both went for it. They were so overeager for it. It slipped. It bounced out to Bobby Porter. I actually want to punch my screen talking about this because uh, that's one that's going to... That's an all-timer. That's all-time fuckery. That is all-time fuckery. In a year where any team left in the bracket right now, I'm going to say, has a legitimate chance or some chance to win a championship. It's not like it was in previous years where one team just completely, completely outshines everybody else. It's not like that right now. The eight teams left, I would say, to some degree, have a chance to win a championship if they're too advanced. In a year like that, to lose a pivotal game five like that, I, I can't, bro. I can't deal. I, I actually can't deal. So... That happens. Uh, the block happens. That's an all-time loss, bro. It's an all-time loss. This is an all-time series. What do I think going forward? So once the emotion is taken out of it, like I said, that happened last night. Uh, it's been about about 14 hours at the time that I'm recording. It's been about 14 hours since game time. After the emotion is taken out of it, I'm looking and going, all right, well, again, I did say Boston in seven, so more or less this is kind of how the series I, I saw going i saw a lot of stress saw a lot of fuckery saw a lot of one point games that type of thing this is on par but that type of loss is is a soul crusher so i am not at all surprised if boston goes into game six and gets smacked uh, 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 time out time out flag on the play <laughs> i would actually be a little bit surprised if they got smacked because this team has shown fight at every step of the way this year when they lost robert williams the first time um you know, losing Marcus Smart, the hell game four in Milwaukee to go to tie the series instead of going down three one. That was a game of literally tug of war, and they never let go. Even at times where everybody was getting in foul trouble, um, Giannis was was getting what he wanted. They never actually let go of the rope. So that's the one thing this team doesn't do. And so for that reason, I would say, yeah, if you go into game six and just so metaphors aside, like the actual basketball that's being played, they've proven both teams have proven that they can fight to the death and be competitive. So I would be surprised if either team got blown out in game six. And so that's why I say you take the emotion out of what happened last night. It's going to be extremely difficult to win a game six, but I could still see that happening. I think Giannis at this point, I, at this point, I'm not expecting Robert Williams to come back, which would help. But they said in game five, they were being overly cautious. Uh, and and I to, to just be clear, I don't want to risk Robert Williams' health for 
basketball. Like, I don't want it to turn into a thing where he comes out and plays and ends up tearing his patella or something like that because he was overcompensating. If Boston has to get eliminated and and Robert Williams protected his knee, I'm 100% with that. It's I get the whole laid on the line thing like Joel Embiid is doing in, in Philly, but it, that's totally a player's choice. If they decide or if the team decides, it's totally their choice. I, I will never be mad if Robert Williams didn't play. And also, this is what I was worried about anyways with his return so quick. I said somewhere back when he first got injured, I was wondering when he does come back, what would you be able to get for him? This is kind of the timeline that I thought you might get. It's him in and out, soreness. That's just a really quick turnaround for a knee surgery, even if it's minor. That's a quick-ass turnaround. So, don't know his status yet but if he's not going to play and you know what we know what Giannis is built of in in these type of games I have no reason to believe he's not about to pull up an all-timer and I'll be there for it I'm like I said I'm dead serious I'm going to Milwaukee got some homies out there um ticket plugs I, I'm, I'll be there I will be there whether I'll be wearing Celtics gear or not that's the I don't know <laughs> I might just go neutral I might just go in a Dr. Strange shirt in case I gotta uh find a different universe where Boston is successful anyways um so, yeah, with no Robert Williams, Giannis will be successful. With Robert Williams, he'll probably still be successful, but it at least give us a chance to not have Horford having to 1v1 him or having Grant Williams 1v1 him. And they both teams have things to clean up. That's why I said game-wise, it can be competitive still. If you look at Boston, they have certain possessions where they just relax defensively like i said even without robert williams i thought they were at least sticking to their base with help defense they were at least sticking to the plan then they would go up nine or ten and Giannis is all of a sudden able to go one-on-one -on -one with no help it just, just just blow by i'm like okay well that was your chance to pull away and then you let Giannis get four points or six points straight or whatever in a, in a very short time span that kind of stuff needs to be cleaned up in the game decision making with the type of shots that Boston likes to take, specifically with Jason Tatum, very near the end of the game. And it, it, I had been saying all year, the difference between Tatum having good games and being, quote unquote, himself and not himself. Sometimes it's literally just if he makes that shot that he takes the side steps, the step backs, the jab step threes. Because remember, at the beginning of the season, he wasn't playing well and he, he it obviously improved. But. I told y'all from watching, I was going, yeah, they're definitely doing some things better, 100%. But also, a lot of these shots, Tatum, th these look like shots that he just likes to take sometimes. And whether he makes it or not, that's kind of just what happens. And that that's kind of like saying it's a make or miss league. But I think you get it if you watch these teams. It's kind of like with Dallas. They kind of do the same thing regardless. And it's just a matter of if they're getting, if the threes fall or not. It's not like that for, it's not like that for every team. Um, it, it's technically always whether you make it or miss it, but... Yeah, I think you can get what I'm trying to say. Because where I was going with that is the shot Tatum took right before Drew Holiday hit the three. That's a shot that he'll make and you'll just go, damn, Tatum is him. But at that time in the game, the setup, <clears throat> I believe he had Wes Matthews on him. And then Bobby Portis is, is helping or in help position and Al Horford is in the corner. I wanted Tatum to apply pressure in that situation. I understand you can't just drive into help because you'll probably get the ball snatched. But what I was looking for in that situation is engaging the help, finding ways to engage the help, whether that's putting your back to your defender, um, jab stepping, driving left and just engaging him, not just trying to drive through him and score him, engaging him. Maybe Horford lifts up to the wing and he's got a good look. He'll probably still be close out on, but it'll be a better look than a one dribble sidestep mid range. I just 
I and again one one right before that kind of went in. So that's where I, that's what I'm trying to say with the type of shots that Tatum takes is literally just whether it worked or not. And those are very laxed shots to me. And Milwaukee does it too. Milwaukee more so. Their offense. Uh, we, we've been sitting here questioning for a championship team. We've been sitting here questioning their offense a lot of the season. But in game four specifically for them, in a game that ended up close, I thought they wasted about four possessions that they could have gotten better shots on or just been more patient with. So specifically off the top of my head, there were two where Peyton Pritchard got switched on to Giannis. Yeah, Peyton Pritchard, you can call him an active defender or whatever you want, but he's like... 50 feet smaller than Giannis. There's a significant size advantage there. However, what I saw in those possessions is Giannis get the ball and immediately kick to a shooter. One was Bobby Portis. Uh, he, he, he hit him as a trailer. Another one, I think he passed off to, I, I don't know, one of his wing shooters. And he was only, it was probably like a 50% contest. And I was just going, well, if you got Peyton Pritchard on you there's definitely ways to engage Boston's defense and I know the help is waiting the help is waiting though you engage it and make the Celtics choose make them make decisions make them make rotations and I thought there was at least four possessions where Milwaukee didn't do that at all they just said oh okay you know what we're just gonna take the first semi-available three matter of fact I think the one, other one I'm thinking about is Grayson Allen and so that was interesting to me because Milwaukee, uh, aside from their offense not being very creative, they seem to settle. They seem to settle quite a bit too, and that's what I was talking about with Giannis and his threes earlier. I am, again, wholly impressed with him having shooting it as terrible as he has, and still saying, you know what? Uh, eventually, I'm gonna make you pay, even if he doesn't. But he did last night. It worked. It it went in. Uh, but he does also sometimes bail out Boston's defense by just trying to keep them honest by trying to make them pay. And it's a, it's a, I guess it's two sides to the coin. On one hand, you know, you, you gotta try to not get Ben Simmons, but on the other, that's a blessing nine times out of ten. And so that is going to be fascinating seeing who cleans up what. Uh, Ime Yudoka sounded defeated in the press conference. He never sounds defeated. So losing a game that you practically had won the entire game and to lose it at the last couple of minutes i'm not sure if they can recover from that i think again as i just explained there's obviously ways for both teams to be able to win there are pathways to victory there's things that they can do for the bucks using Giannis as a screener has has worked quite well even if it doesn't result in points that makes boston uh make some real quick decisions on the fly so expect to see a lot of that uh if you're did I say for Boston and for Milwaukee? Yeah, that's something from Milwaukee. And uh, for the Celtics, if you know that they are engaging Tatum, which I ex I 100% expect them to try to keep Tatum out of it. So seeing him blitz, seeing him doubled, um, they, they will probably be happy to try to <laughs> let Grant Williams or Al Horford beat them again. Because um, this is now, this is really a moment for stars. And having a lead, I'm pretty sure they probably will do everything in their power to make sure Tatum has a, has a terrible night. Um, but... Drew Holiday has had some bad shooting nights. He made some magnificent plays at the end there, but he had, he's had some bad shooting nights. So if Milwaukee has the same type of game where Giannis has to basically hold on to the rope solo for a while, that could end up getting you a situation where Boston walks out of there with the win. Long story short, there are ways for both teams to win game six. But if the Celtics come out <clears throat> defeated because they lost a, a hard game, if they come out and they are down 10 to 15 points in the first 
quarter. I, I don't th- I think at that point, Milwaukee would lay them down. It won't even be just be Boston laying down. I think Milwaukee would lay them down at that point. Um, yeah, if they come out cold, any of the above, it's it's going to be, you know, it's going to be hard. So it can go either way. And at that point, I had Kobe and, and Tanner, by the way, if you these are names that if you're in the stream, then, you know, uh, that if you're in the watch parties, or if you watch this play 2K, you know, Tanner's the Bucks fan. Kobe's Nets fan, and we were playing 2K last night, and they were reminding me the Nets uh, had came back from like a massive lead in Game Five last year. I won that game, and then Milwaukee won two straight, and I kind of I completely forgot. But okay, yeah. So it's if your team is actually a championship team, they can get something like this done. So we'll see what happens with Game Six. I personally feel like Milwaukee has the giant upper hand now after a win like that and the momentum. Um, they, all they have to do is come out and, and start, get off to like a quick 15 to three start or something like that. And they can really go ahead and put this one. They can put it away in Milwaukee. I hope we get the competitive version of it. At this point, I just don't want to see the Celtics lay down. Just don't lay down. You've shown you can compete with them. All these games could have went either way. These last three could have went either way. I just don't want to see them lay down because they lost a tough game. Cause if they, if that happens and they, they just weren't ready yet. Yeah, good basketball by Giannis, though, man. This is I, I, I this is really like an offseason soliloquy and giving Giannis his props. But, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I can't even describe how insane it is to experience Giannis 10 years after dealing with 2012 LeBron. It's like a it's it's like a script. It's literally like a script. The Celtics were competing and then LeBron went to Miami and he leveled up his game. Dealt with that for those years. And then here we are competing again. And now it's another all-time great potential one-day potential GOAT candidate, depending on how all this shapes out. Yeah, he's he's just like that, man. Giannis is is just like that. And nothing but uh the utmost respect for a legend. But for now, still should be a competitive series. We'll see if we get a seventh game out of that. Okay. Moving on. Which series do we take next? Golden State and Memphis is confusing. So full. Uh, transparency i have not watched game uh six yeah five that was game five i've not seen game five yet after boston lost i was like yo fuck basketball tonight well fuck real basketball tonight me and homies we playing 2k i i had golden state on the on the bottom screen but i had no more basketball watching interest left after that one we were playing and i looked at the score and i said hold on y'all i was like why is golden state why, why is the score like 100 to 2 <laughs> what happened bro uh steven adams is playing minutes now so he's he's collecting rebounds and i just find that interesting because golden state while they still might win this series every single team that they play moving forward potentially has a has a good big man so you go into phoenix uh depending on which aiden you get that could be tough uh, but let, let's say I, they have they play a big man with the potential to hurt them and they play big men with more potential to hurt them than Steven Adams or Jaron Jackson. So, uh, 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 my bad. I completely forgot Dallas. Okay. <laughs> yeah, t- okay. Every other team aside from Dallas has somebody they, they should probably worry about down low. And they didn't address that. They did not trade for that in the regular season. Uh, James Wiseman is not walking through the doors. And even if he did, what would he really be able to do? So Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber is probably from just from not being taken advantage of in the paint. Is, is their best matchup left after that? You're dealing with a Bam, dealing with an Embiid, dealing with Rob Williams, Al Horford, dealing with Giannis. <laughs> a 
or um, if Brook Lopez is actually in the in you know playing minutes that you're dealing with his size as a as a rim protector and maybe some rebounding. Anyways, I just say all that to say I found that interesting with the rebounding advantage Memphis had last night. But I, how do you even explain an ass whooping like that? I watched the recap of it. I did not actually get to see the full game. I hadn't gotten to dive into it. Big thing with there when we left, it was one one. And I talked about how messy that series was, how messy it had gotten with the suspensions, with the injuries, with uh, just the whole vibe. And it got messier. It got it's gotten messier since then. Uh, John Morant is apparently out for the remainder of the playoffs. So no matter how far they go, there will be no jaw. Which is also interesting because Memphis has been a really good team without him. However, in the playoffs, it's pretty much been proven to really win anything it's very difficult to do without your top player um, at a certain point no matter how far you get at a certain point you kind of run out of gas they lost the game that he got hurt by quite a bit and there was a whole controversy about jordan pool pulling on his knee i hadn't really paid any i hadn't at the time that it was happening i was just kind of not really paying attention to it and i didn't realize how much of a shitstorm it became about the Grizzlies kind of basically wanting Jordan Poole suspended. I don't know if they ever came out and said that, but the whole vibe was trying to get the league to look at it and theorizing how Jaw got hurt. Come to find out, it's on camera. It's it's in 4K where he... <laughs> Do I have my camera click where he actually ended up getting hurt? You can see it. There is film. Shout out Nikias. There is film. And... Even before that, like when you rewind, without the benefit of hindsight, Jordan Poole accidentally grabbing his knee. There's so many things that happen in basketball where I, and people cry foul play. And I wonder, had has anyone ever even played recreationally? You realize how many things just kind of happen really, really fast. And so... And then there's the fact that you're on camera and you're in front of thousands of people. Why would someone like Jordan? Not, yeah, because there's maybe players out there you think would do something like that. Why would someone like Jordan Poole purposely and maniacally grab at John Moran's knee and try to hurt him in front of everybody where he can be penalized for it and you can get the reputation for being dirty and you lose all respect from your peers? Why would he try that? He didn't. And even if that, even if you wanted to call him dirty, that just didn't seem like it would do it. He was, it's a tussle for the ball. There's two people there. He's swiping and he accidentally gets jaw on the knee a little bit. It's not even where he got hurt. You just find out later, that's not even where he got hurt. And it's a bone bruise. And it gets even funnier because then there's a page on Twitter. This is, this is doctor, you know, the Twitter doctors, like the actual Twitter doctors. Not, I'm not being funny. There's doctors with Twitter pages. Dude made a whole video basically accusing Jordan Poole of foul play. And he brought out a diagram, not a diagram, an actual physical sculpture of the knee and showed how what Jordan Poole did could injure him. He had to delete the video because he found out, oh, yeah, wait, that's not the injury and that's not what happened. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so yeah, it regardless one way or the other, John Morant is out with a bone bruise. Luckily for Memphis, they have played most of the season, or not most of the season, they played a lot of the season without him. They won a ton of games without him. They're still a really good team. And Jaw is is still, you know, he's not great on defense, so there's something you you uh you need 
especially at the end of games, you could use him. And especially against the Warriors where he'd been playing well, you could use him. But okay, there's one positive. Your defense might your defense at certain points might get a little bit better. Either way, the actual the the game five loss, that that's fucking appalling, bro. <laughs> that is fucking appalling. Um the score was like 100 to 56. How does that even happen? I was starting to wonder, did anyone on Golden State, was, anyone, was someone on Golden State hurt? Was there uh, suspension, not suspension, was there an ejection? No, they just got, they just got knocked. And it's a closeout game. So to come into a closeout game and get smacked like that, that's interesting. I, I am all of a sudden very fascinated by what game six will hold because Memphis has already proved they can play with Golden State. I had Golden State in six, but that's also where we left off in in the pod. Me saying that I wasn't as confident. Um, I people thought because Memphis struggled with Minnesota, they just straight up couldn't play with the Warriors. I was very adamant, saying that's absolutely not. Uh, that's, that's not the case, and it hadn't been, and it hasn't been. Um, but I will say, without Jaw, I thought Golden State would just be able to go ahead, <clears throat> go ahead and close out, even if the games were close. I didn't expect the Grizzlies to lay down, but. It's kind of a deflating thing where you just feel like even if you do be Golden State going against uh, you know championship teams without Jaw, I, hell, I don't, bro, I've seen weird things. Last night was a really weird thing. Last night was a really weird thing. So I don't, I don't want to speak to their ceiling without him. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with the rest of the series. Without Jaw, I didn't really have much to say. I thought it would be over by now, um, but I'm interested because three one. If Boston does lose, I need Golden State to blow this three one lead to get the heat off of them. And nobody will remember that series. People will just be like, "Oh yeah, Boston got beat by Milwaukee." Nobody remember how painful it was. <laughs> the three one and Golden State will over will completely over overtake that. Um, so yeah, that's all I have to say about that one. Phoenix and Dallas, three two. Phoenix's way. I call Phoenix in six, but. I am also not as confident because I can't tell what happens to them when 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 they leave Phoenix. Couple of things here. I'm actually gonna start with DeAndre Aiden because as this I was just talking about Golden State struggling as the series or as a series advance, possibly with some bigs. DeAndre Aiden is uh fascinating to me. So far, you played against the Pelicans and you had Jonas Valanciunas. Jonas Valanciunas. You move on to Dallas, and now it's Dwight Powell and Maxi Cleaver. Neither one of them are matchups. Um, there's still a part of me that feels like Phoenix should be using him a little bit differently and a little bit more assertively, but also the assertive part kind of counts on him. There's certain times where I feel like he could be getting better position. I feel like he could be getting better looks against this specific Dallas team and the way Phoenix will manipulate it is okay yeah pick and roll make make Maxi Kleber contain Chris Paul be a wide open roll to the rim for DeAndre Aiden or, or open enough role I feel like that should be a little bit more of a pressure point though even with him having the ball I feel like he could get some better looks than he does and in game the game that they won they did end up winning game five but there was even plays where he gets the ball. I felt like it was like twice. He just didn't realize he was open. And I don't think it ended up resulting in him scoring. Either way, I just been I just been keeping an eye on Aiden and you know looking at what he does compared to what I think he could do. And I'm just a little bit worried about the Suns. At least at that point. I'm a little bit worried about him 
and the production you might not get going forward just because okay yeah you play golden state or memphis you play golden state they will probably want him to be assertive and at that point it'll be Kevon looney and draymond green probably draymond green sometimes i wonder in the regular season i remember that some matchup they immediately went to like out of the gate and i wonder if they'll if they'll pressure that if they'll force that issue a little bit because golden state will have to deal with that all series should that be the one but anyways after that i'm looking at phoenix as the team that people thought would go to the finals this year if they were in the finals every eastern squad they would have to play has big men that will give aiden trouble like getting bam out of bio probably give him trouble joel and bead probably give him trouble <laughs> Giannis would definitely give him trouble uh and the celtics two bigs probably give him trouble and so I'm just a little, that's just something that is kind of, just looking ahead, that's something that's kind of uh, made me a little bit worrisome. Not that they would just straight up lose because you're not getting mega production from Aiden. They have, uh, you know, got Devin Booker, you got Chris Paul, you got role players. I just feel like it's important. I just feel like it's a thing that might become important. And for Dallas to, for them to close out Dallas, I would like to see them pressure in that way a little bit because he's still put up good numbers i just feel like at times when they need something for instance games uh two or sorry three and four chris paul is just playing absolutely terrible i'm just thinking they have they have, do have some more things that they can go to like dallas what they go to and making phoenix sweat and has worked for their two wins things like the five out um pressuring with Luka Doncic hunting Chris Paul down uh, and then Luka can score on anybody but especially Chris Paul um, making DeAndre Aiden choose between protecting the rim and the corner those type of things like they go to it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and it worked for two it worked for those two games game five to get the shots really weren't falling as much um, it was competitive for about half the game, but it, it hit a it hit a wall. Cleaver didn't have the same night he normally does. Finney Smith completely cooled off, and Phoenix was able to, at one point, just kind of break it open and never look back. I am looking for Phoenix to close this out. I'm looking for them to close this out just because I feel like there's going to be tougher matchups. It's going to be tougher matchups in this, and having Dallas take you seven, not that they're a bad team, it's just, at, at least even if they do go seven, I just want to see them use some of the pressure points or specifically the Aiden pressure point a little bit more than they have because you can get what you're going to get in the pick and roll but i want to see how he can open things up against a, a team that doesn't really have a suitable matchup for him just because of what's gonna what's coming i don't know may it doesn't even matter even if they do even if you even if he did and you do that against the Mavericks. It doesn't mean you can do it against the rest of the teams. Anyways, um, yeah, I'm, I'm off that. Chris Paul had the absolute worst playoff games of his entire career in Dallas. And I thought this would go six, but I did not think it would be because Chris Paul fell off the face of the earth. He had six fouls in one of them. And then I think he had seven turnovers in the other. And I'm talking like the turnovers were very uncharacteristic. He had one where he just straight up threw it he just threw it to the other team he just threw it to dallas passes he normally doesn't throw um the scoring hadn't really been there he hadn't been as aggressive even in the game they won he hadn't been quite as aggressive in the scoring but i guess they didn't need him to that just has me questioning moving forward now that it's been three games that haven't been his best 
and Dallas, they, uh, as I said earlier, when I was talking about the Tatum point, Dallas is, is really, they might be the most make or miss team in the league because they're going to do the same thing. Uh, I, I would say they, they adjusted in getting Jalen Brunson more involved, which that's, uh, when we left off, it was two Oh, and I had basically said Jalen Brunson had to that point been take more or less taken out of it or he hadn't been able to get into his rhythm it was a lot more luka ball than i'd like to see so i do like the idea of getting him going especially early i feel like the mavericks probably function best when a guy like brunson is getting going or you're hitting your three-point shooters in the corner because you're always going to be able to get a luka step back you're always going to be able to get a luka um tell layup and, and getting to the rim you're going to be able to get luca buckets however he scores you are always going to be able to get luca buckets what you don't know is later in the game if he slowed down because he did that all first half what you're going to get from guys who hadn't really been activated yet so i do like jalen brunson putting guys in the post early or just trying to get to the rim literally just trying to create for himself as soon as possible and that's something that they got to go to in dallas and then after that, it's the, the three just got to fall, really, because Finney Smith is going to get his corner looks. Bullock is going to get his wing or corner looks. Hell, Davis Bertans is actually hitting shots now. That's happening. Um, this, those guys are going to get looks. Dallas plays. They, they remind me of LeBron's Cleveland team before he, he had a lot of help. And James Harden's Rockets team. In terms of the offensive thing, it's gonna you got the one guy you know he can get to whatever he wants, and after that it's everybody else knocking down shots. It doesn't win championships, but as you see, it can bother almost anybody. And so that's that's what this one comes down to. When they get to Dallas, does Jalen Brunson get going very early on? Do the threes fall very early on? And on the other side, what type of game does Chris Paul have? Because if he has a bad one now, then what does Devin Booker do? Is is Miles is Miles Bridges going to hit his first few shots? Are they going to really u- utilize Aiden, like actually utilize him and really pressure? I don't think you're going to see any more pressure than you have so far. And um, yeah, that just this, I'm having one of those moments like I had very early in the season when I was thinking about Miami and what bothered me about them, and the light bulb clicked a lot later when you kind of. You know, you kind of saw the potential for it, for the, for the problem that I was that I was thinking about. I'm kind of having that moment with with Aiden and Phoenix right now, just just with the matchups going forward. Not that he's been bad here. Yeah, that that's that's literally what Phoenix and Dallas will come down to. And I would hate to see Phoenix go out in the second round because Chris Paul didn't show. Like last year, he had a bad final series. People already kind of ran with the narrative that he that everything that's happened in his playoff career up to that point had been his fault. Um, but at a certain, yeah, you won't be able to, <laughs> you won't be able to save him. You won't be able to save him if, uh, if he throws six turnovers and they, and they lose and you go to a seventh game and you lose there, you don't want to get into a seven game with Luca. Um, like you're the better team, but you don't want to get into a seven game where the other guy get, it basically has you at his mercy. Yeah. You don't want to do that. So we'll see if Phoenix can, can close it out. Um, and yeah, that game probably more than any other in the series, this has to do with how how it starts. Dallas got to build that lead early. Go from there. Just a little sub note or side note happening with uh, Luca and Booker. Apparently, they don't like each other very much. I don't know if you've seen all the little tidbits on Twitter of Devin Booker making fun of Luca's acting, <laughs> calling it the Luca special when he laid on the floor for a while, um, talking shit to each other. 
Luca after the game saying everyone's talking now that it's now that they're up. Yeah, there's bad. There's, I don't know if you call it bad blood, but there's competitive blood in this series, and I like it. So we shall see. And last but least, Miami and Philly. This series has just been like the most ragtag shit I've ever seen. The first couple of games didn't have Embiid. Then Embiid came back, and I didn't even know if that was a great idea because the type of injury he has seems like it's very easy to rattle, i.e. Game 5 where he got hit by the ball and he damn near started crying. I was actually afraid for hit the health of his eye. I really thought there was actually something wrong that time. So, um... I went back and listened. I listened to the last pod as these series have been going on. I went back and listened to like my assessment of all these series. I've generally been pretty happy with it. I think if you go back and listen to the last one, a lot of the things that I theorized or you know, was curious about kind of ended up playing out in, in each series. And so for Miami and Philly, it was specifically what I was worried about. If for Miami, I was worried about if the Sixers got Embiid back just because at least for, for half of those first two games, Philly showed that they could play with them. They just didn't have, they just didn't have Embiid. And so, not only does Embiid come back and, and give you a nice game four performance, gave you everything he had, there was a vintage Harden performance. At this point, I am using the word vintage. They're the one where it, it was literally a flash of of what he you thought you would get, well, what the Nets thought they would get, and what Philly thought they were getting where the step backs were going, where he's able to drive by and get to the rim. He was getting a lot. He was getting a lot going like he used to. This is just what we used to see from him. And it actually makes me sad talking about it because it hadn't even been that long. It's literally been, what, two years, two, two and a half years since we you know, were consistently getting this type of thing. It hadn't really been that long. And it just kind of showed that flash of what Philly, you know, could could have been or could be if you have a healthy Harden. Because again, if you go into this offseason, I'm still waiting to see what you what what he comes back as next year after he gets a full uh, summer to be healthy and train. You come back, I'm like, man, that would be if you had that Harden that basically does what what Luca is doing in Dallas right now, where he just had defenders at his mercy. And you really, you know, it's really not up to you if you stop them or not. Yeah, this would be a totally different team. So that helped in them in them winning game um, and them winning game four. And then it was this high series. You got back to Miami and Miami got on that ass. And shout out to Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has been a top player in the playoffs in Philly uh, when nobody else was really hitting threes, which that was I felt like that was an important note that Miami had some really good open threes that they just straight up weren't making and they were still kind of in the game. So it's not like Philly just got Embiid back in Miami. Stood no chance. Uh, there were some things Miami could have definitely done better. You even saw for the next game that they checked De- they checked Duncan Robinson in to try to <laughs> maybe alleviate that, maybe get some more shooting. I get why you really don't want him out there. He becomes a target. And also, Max Struess is basically taking his job. So <laughs> And Victor Oladipo as well. He's Yeah, he's, he plays defense and you can get something from him. Um, you might get something from him offensively. So, yeah, shout out, shout out to Oladipo too, man. Oladipo is... A very nice surprise for for this Miami team, just in terms of being able to use him at all, and the fact that he's not completely washed. He might not be in the Oladipo, but he provides value to this team. Kyle Lowry is out. He did not play last game. Thought that would be a little bit more important than it was. It was not. Uh, the Heat's defense, I thought, did a good job keeping Joel Embiid out of it. He also missed some shots that I think he would... Uh, without the mask and thumb, would probably make. He's clearly not healthy right now, but he's giving absolutely everything he can. But yes, Jim, Jimmy Butler, um, he's still just like Giannis showing the willingness to shoot threes. Jimmy Butler does as well, although I think this far into the playoffs, you're you're happy with that. And 
um, even if those aren't falling, he'll still he's applying pressure. He's a pressure point. He's not allowing himself just to you know be taken out of the series. So he had forty in that game that they lost, and he's just he, he's done quite a bit. He's a playmaking. Um, being that one scorer, because that, that's kind of what you worry about with Miami, is like, do they have that one guy that can just go get buckets all the time? And against uh, you know, Milwaukee or Boston, I do wonder about that for Butler, but at least up to now, he has uh, he's stepped into that role. Moving forward, like Philly, I thought last game had Maxi just kind of being pedestrian. And this is where you you fret that you don't have the same Harden because they need Maxi to be like the flashes we've seen from Maxi this year and how good he, the, his best games. It just kind of feels like they need that from him all the time. Like it's backwards. You, you hired Harden for that job, but you need it from Maxi all the time. And you saw in a game where Embiid is, is, is being defended well and Harden doesn't have it going. It's like, okay, this is where you need Maxi to maybe be a bit more grown than he actually is so far. That's going to be something I keep my eye on. What type of, what type of start does Maxi get out to in game six? Because for the most part of game five, I didn't even know he was there. Like, I, just, <laughs> I didn't even know he was there, bro. Um, and for Embiid, it just seems like for Embiid and Harden, it's hit or miss. For Embiid and Harden, it's literally hit or miss. For Harden, for his reasons. And then for Embiid, just because he is showing... Like, I, I really commend what he's what he's doing. I don't uh, even agree with it, just because what if that ball had to hit him in the right spot and really fucked him up? Is it really worth it? Is it really worth a potential career altering injury right now to be out here. I don't know, but that's also the pressure that sports puts on you pressure that media puts on you. It's like he, I think he said in the post game, if he plays, then people are going to say, uh, and if he plays and he plays bad, people are going to say that he, he didn't do enough. And if he doesn't play, people are going to say he's, uh, a coward which at this point i don't know if anybody would really be doing that but yeah the larger narrative might become like he gave up or whatever when he really probably should not be out there anyways we'll see what type of game he has just his presence made things so much harder for miami as we theorize that it would hey big big news there yeah playing joel and beat instead of deandre jordan makes things harder but yeah like uh him being out there and, and just keeping paul Millsap and deandre jordan on the bench and keeping those two basically uh what would become you know hunted bodies for miami keeping them off the floor uh it it's it's a lot more difficult and you have Embiid in in a drop which once again generated a lot of open shots for miami but also i don't know if philly's going to be really going away from that because it just kind of depends but you came out in game five and the shots were just falling and philly never really caught up um, yeah, it'll for Philly to end up pulling this out. This is why you know, coming into it when I didn't think Embiid was going to play, I had Miami in five. I had originally picked Miami to win the series regardless because of the type of games that I fig figured Harden would have, and especially e even with you know if Embiid were to come back, I figured it'd be like this: Game Four, you could get something like Game Four, but then you could also get something like Game Five. This might be all over the place. It's not the typical dominant Embiid that's going to be applying all-time pressure every single game. So I would be very impressed if they were able to pull this out. Uh, there's obviously still a chance for it. Miami has a hard shooting game again. If you get a vintage hard performance, hey, we are right there in game seven. I don't know how that one is going to go just yet. But uh, everything right now is, um, hell, every single series, like, I'm really happy with. Like, all the, 
basketball we've talked this playoffs and all the predictions like everything is pretty much leading more or less um the the way i think a lot of us thought it would phoenix <laughs> come on cp3 <laughs> but it's leading towards phoenix um oh after last night it's hard to say it's leaning towards golden state but i mean it still technically is they're going back to golden state with 3-2 lead they were up 3-1 i kind of don't feel like they're just gonna let that slip uh milwaukee and boston very great great chance for a game seven uh i, I just want to forget i just want to forget game five just i, I just want to forget game five and then yeah you know miami just depends all depends on what happens with philly there are some extra things to talk about outside of the playoffs by the way uh it, it, i don't think i discussed Nikola Jokic winning repeat mvp so shout out to y'all that listen to the podcast and have been listening all year because if uh you do listen then you know he's been mvp for like what two months now uh i i don't know why the nba waits this long to announce such a thing by the way also shout out monty williams coach of the year i don't know why the nba waited so long but whatever and I don't really even have much to say about it. I thought Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic were all guys with cases. I Towards the end, I thought maybe Giannis could come in and sneak it. Um, but the season didn't really end with... It didn't end with enough. He didn't. I didn't think it was enough time, really, for him to do enough to be able to actually win it. Hell, Embiid had an incredible season, and he's still fighting. He's been fighting all year through the Ben Simmons situation, through the trade, and now here fighting through his own injuries. He could have won it. And Jokic also had a great case. And I, I don't really even need to say much more than that. Like, I don't I don't understand a lot of the I don't understand a lot of the Jokic discourse. I, I don't get it. Yeah, anyways. Uh, so like I, I didn't even tweet much about it or anything because it just feels like that's been decided for a long time now. So it wasn't it wouldn't really a surprise. That happened, and as of this morning. I feel like there's something else important. Let me scroll Woj's page just to make sure I'm not missing some. But oh yeah, as of this morning, there will now be trophies for the NBA Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals. There will be Conference Finals MVPs. They designed whole trophies off of it based off of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. And they also redid the Finals MVP and uh, NBA Championship trophies. I actually think I, I, I'm, I'm always on the side of if it's not broken, don't fix it. But also, I think that the um, I think the trophy looks fire. I think the NBA trophy looks fire. The conference finals trophies, I'm like not really sure why you need this. And I also kind of not and not in love with it just because now there's a whole history of the NBA that has taken place without it. This is an accolade. Is it an accolade or is this an accolade people are really going to count? I don't know. It's an accolade. It's something that's going to show up on the accolade page and a lot of guys like hell, LeBron would probably have wanted every single year or something like that and he'll never have that accolade and now we're moving forward and guys are going to get that. But I kind of feel like that's going to be a thing that people end up memeing and laughing at. For instance, uh, I don't know. Like say Milwaukee well, okay, Milwaukee already won the championship, so that's a bad example. Like, say Boston gets to the finals and Jason Tatum wins Eastern Conference Finals MVP and then they lose or they get swept or something like that. And so that now that's just a meme. And I don't think the, player, the, the players are all going to say the same thing about it. Like, oh, yeah, you know, this ain't what we came here for. I don't care about this. So I am interested to see the perception of that. I don't hate it, but I also am just kind of like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, they look cool. Well, I hadn't even seen the full picture of the Conference Finals one yet. 
Mike Brown got hired, by the way, he's the Kings coach. Rest in peace to Bob Lanier. NBA legend Bob Lanier has passed away in the time since last time we did the podcast. Um, and after that, I do not believe I have. I was really, I really feel like there's something else, but I guess there's not. I guess there is not. Well, yeah, Dylan Brooks was suspended already. Yeah, okay, yeah. This podcast is on Spotify. It's on YouTube. It's on Apple Podcasts. Um, there's a video on the main channel today. By the time this podcast comes out, that video will already have been out. So, great, great comedic value. It shows why if you're if you don't ever come to the watch parties, you really should on Twitch. Link in the comment section and description. We have a hell of a time with these, and I'm pretty sure it'd be tradition now. Like th- even throughout the regular season, it'll probably be tradition. Um, and yeah, this has been podcast 48. I am about to pack my bags and head to Milwaukee. I have to spring into action. I have to intervene. <laughs> that sounds incriminating. I ain't gonna do nothing, bro. I'm gonna be sitting like in mid lower bowl, potentially watching my team take its last breaths. That flight was expensive, so that shit better be competitive. I'm gonna keep it a stack. <laughs> I appreciate y'all, and I will see y'all in the next one.